Welcome to a New Testament journey. We'll have our Bible reading followed by our devotional. Chapter 19 While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years, so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and the illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honour. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practised sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. After all this had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. After I have been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. He sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, to Macedonia, while he stayed in the province of Asia a little longer. About that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called them together, along with the workers in related trades, and said, You know, my friends, that we received a good income from this business. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus, and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that the gods made by human hands are no gods at all. There is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited, and the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. When they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Soon the whole city was in uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's travelling companions from Macedonia, and all of them rushed into the theatre together. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples wouldn't let him. Even some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, 
sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theatre. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander to the front and they shouted instructions to him. He motioned for silence in order to make a defence before the people. But when they realised he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison for about two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. The city clerk quieted the crowd and said, Fellow Ephesians, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image which fell from heaven? Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to calm down and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. If then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. They can press charges. If there is anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in a legal assembly. As it is, we are in danger of being charged with rioting because of what happened today. In that case, we would not be able to account for this commotion, since there's no reason for it. After he said this, he dismissed the assembly. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Oh, the sweet mercy of Jesus. Paul's hands had been a bouncer's hands. They probably wore knuckle dusters and everything. When he used to place his hands on people, they couldn't really speak at all. Most of them were dead. But that was before Paul met Jesus. Now Paul laid his hands on people to release life. Now Paul's roughed up palms and stubby fingers shared new creation presence into a few disciples in an obscure corner of an Asian city. With the laying on of hands, Paul imparted into the disciples the promise of the resurrection. They became as much members of God's household as he was. The closed fists that pushed and bashed and biffed people away from Jesus were now open palms, releasing and empowering and giving people God in their midst. Ah, the sweet mercy of Jesus. It is a helpful corrective to remember that even the anointed apostle reached out his hand to touch random believers who didn't really know what they were doing. May we never get too big or too busy to lay hands on random strangers who need a touch from the Lord. And it's a helpful corrective to remember that what Paul really wanted for the Ephesians was for them to receive Holy Spirit. This didn't diminish his commitment to preaching persuasively about the kingdom, but the essential act of the apostle in Ephesus was a Holy Spirit ministry time. May we never lose ministry time as a central practice in our services and small groups or one-on-one -on -one conversations. It was Holy Spirit who distinguished Paul from the seven sons of Siva. It was Holy Spirit who empowered the extraordinary miracles of the aprons and hankies. And it was Holy Spirit who convicted the many of their evil deeds and sparked the bonfire of the scrolls of sorcery. The book of Acts began with Jesus pointing his church to Holy Spirit as the empowering presence they needed. Eighteen chapters have confirmed that. Let's be a church whose practices are formed around our constant desire to be empowered by the Spirit 
as much as the early church was. Here's a question for reflection. Who have you laid your hands on recently? And what did God impart into them through you? We pray God's word bears fruit in your life. For all the information about the New Testament journey, head to www.anewtestamentjourney.net.